Welcome to Gay Men Going Deeper, a podcast about personal development. Now we have some extra special news. We are launching the Gay Men Going Deeper membership community, and we are so excited about it. So before we jump into today's episode, here's some more information about the membership. When we were creating this community together, the three of us realized we share one thing in common. We all want to feel like we are not the lone wolf anymore, and that we have a group of like-minded people we can finally feel like we belong to. None of us could find this space, so we decided to create it ourselves. I remember feeling really disconnected and lonely. All I saw was the hyper-sexualized culture that lacked deeper intimacy and connection. I was craving something more. I wanted to connect with other spiritual gay men that were also interested in personal development. Once these connections started to take root, this is when my need for belonging started to feel met and my negative view of the gay community started to change. And I want it to be an example of what is possible when you combine scene queen with a spiritual warrior, representing that side of gay culture that is both campy and compassionate, sexy, yet soulful. I love personal development, but I wanted to apply it to my unique lifestyle and then create a space where things like mindfulness and spirituality could be accessible by others like me. And I wanted to create a home base for myself, a place where I could feel at home and safe with the community of amazing gay men also looking to build a similar community. So we noticed there were two types of people in the gay men's brotherhood. The type of person who really wants to make changes and the type of person who is not quite ready and may need a little more time in a less structured space. We know at times it can be frustrating for these two groups of people to be in the same space. So we decided to create the Gay Men Going Deeper membership community to cater to those of you who are ready and excited about personal development. This will be a space for those of you who want more guidance and structure as you evolve physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. We are here to show you what you are capable of when you have the right knowledge, guidance, and community to hold you accountable to showing up in your personal power each and every day. So if you're feeling stuck, or if you're struggling with low self-esteem, or if you're feeling lonely and finding it hard to connect with other people, you are not alone anymore. We are here to be your guides, to walk you along the path of self-discovery. And we're going to do that by creating space for you to connect each and every week. And we're going to teach you about things like relationships, building confidence, body positivity, and healing past wounds. And then once a month, the three of us are gonna to get together with you and other members, and we're going to connect and build that sense of community and belonging that we're all looking for. This community is gonna give you connection. It's gonna give you direction. It's gonna give you actionable coaching and steps to take, and it's gonna help you get closer to living a more fulfilling and authentic life. Some of the things that you can look forward to in the membership are masterclasses, weekly group Zoom calls, weekly coaching videos and lessons, live Q and A's, special guest presenters and coaches, a dedicated private Facebook group, and so much more. Because we can't coach all of you individually, this is the next best thing to being able to work with us one-on-one. -on -one. This is a group and a community from all over the world coming together for one common vision. For me, that's learning to love who you are and then living it out loud. And for me, that is creating a safe space where we can all show up and be our authentic selves. And for me, that is to create the community that we want to see in the world. This is the Gay Men Going Deeper membership. So if you'd like more information and to join the waitlist, just click the link in the show notes. Okay, on to today's episode. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Gay Men Going Deeper, a podcast series from the Gay Men's Brotherhood. Your hosts today are Matt, Callan, and myself, Michael. Okay, guys, today we want to talk about the uh, topic of friendship in the gay community. So this is having gay friends. Uh, sometimes that can be platonic, sometimes it can bleed into more than platonic. So either way, we're going to have you covered today on this episode. So from my perspective, um, when I first came out uh, back when I was uh, 19 years old, I would have gay men in my life as either sexual partners or relationships, but not a friend. And that was a, a limiting belief I had. There was maybe some internalized homophobia in there, but either way, I had straight friends and gay sexual partners. And that was the case for a long part of my journey. 
eventually I came to a point where um, I noticed that I was sexualizing, I'm going to say gay men and only saw them as sexual objects or as I said, partners. And it really led me down a road where I was having a lot of sex, not necessarily that sex is bad, but I was doing it for the wrong reasons. And so somewhere in there, I learned, okay, you know what, I'm going to set out to just have gay friends and see what that looks like. See if I'm capable of it, see what those friendships can turn into, see if other people are capable of it as well. So I joined the dodgeball league here in Toronto in I think 2015. And my sole intention was I'm going to go into this and I'm not going to have sex with any of these people that I meet. And I did it. I did it for whatever, what's the season, four months, three months. And I met some of my most amazing friends in there and we have not had sex and I used it exactly as I said I would simply to meet other gay guys connect with them on a different level without sexualizing them and that might be one of the biggest greatest decisions I ever made because it led me to see a whole new aspect of camaraderie friendship and what that really means in the gay world and I think it's interesting because as gay men, we can blur that line very easily. Like we have same sex partners and we also have same sex friendships. So that line does get blurred, at least for me, it absolutely has. But knowing where and when to draw the line, to set the boundary, to say, okay, you know what? This is something that I want uh, as a friendship versus this is something that I wanna take further pulls up a lot in me. Like it, it asks me to resist a lot of my urges, uh, my need for instant gratification and learning really how to manage that in a way that uh, gives me more long-term happiness and less short-term gratification, if that makes any sense. So now I have a wide variety of friends, uh, both gay, straight, um, and I, can, I can't have friendships with gay men without having sex with them. Uh, now I do know that that could be hard for a lot of people because you know I've been on the apps <laughs> I know that's usually not the reason why people start engaging with gay men necessarily, but I do think it's a very, very important aspect of having uh, that sense of camaraderie, community, uh, the things that we all hold very dear at Gay Men's Brotherhood. Mm -hmm. I think that's very interesting. Actually, when you start talking, Michael, it brought up in me that I was just like, huh, I never thought of that. But like I as well didn't have like gay male friends growing up especially when I first came out I actually had like a lot of women friends naturally heterosexual women friends but actually a lot of lesbian women friends as well just because that was like my group of friends I had in high school and it just so happened that they were lesbians and we all kind of came out and so when I started going out to like the bars and the clubs I was always going with either my straight female friends or my lesbian friends more often my lesbian friends because they also wanted to go to the same space and so it was like cool like I have my friends who I go out with and any guys that I saw or met it was always in a romantic pole there was always that attractor and that's why I was looking at them I'm like oh I'm at the bar like that guy's really hot that's why I want to talk to you that's why I want to get to know you it wasn't like I want to be friends with you um and so growing up, as I like learned kind of myself, I went to the UK and I lived there for a while. And that's when I kind of first had my first gay friendships that still blurred the lines a little bit as I was navigating. And then when I moved back, um, I got a job as a server and one of the other guys there, I think I've talked about him before, Billy, um, but he was my super over the top, outrageous, flamingly flamboyant gay friend who... I first was like really scared and nervous about being friend, like being friendly towards because I think I had it in my head that, and I think this could go for a lot of gay men is that I didn't want him or other people to think that I wanted to be with them sexually. If I was just going to be nice and be polite and like wanting to have a friendship, I didn't want them to cross that boundary. And because of that, I guess I, I had a wall up being like, uh, if I'm being nice and like you misinterpret that as like I'm coming on to you then that's going to make me feel uncomfortable so that's why I always kind of like pushed away genuine gay friendships um but when Billy came along he was like not interested in me at all so that was like kind of like an ego check which was you know kind of like oh but like also it was great because I was like okay cool like genuinely I can tell he's very much not interested in me I'm very much not his type and that's great and through building that friendship with him and like watching him just burn so brightly and be his genuine self, it A, allowed me to burn brightly and to be my genuine self, but also in this comfortable friendship where it was just like, there is no sexual energy there. And it was really just honest plutonic friendship. 
And through that, I learned how to then be friends with other gay men. Of course, there was always that kind of like, is this guy being nice to me because he wants to just be friends or is he being nice to me because there's like ulterior motives? Um, but you know, it is what it is. We're all men, we date men and we can be friends with men. And so I was like, I need to just practice having my clear boundaries. And as long as I'm clear on those boundaries, I'm fine. And so that's a lot of the work that I did is just creating my boundaries and how I would navigate those situations because they're never going to be comfortable when you have to, I don't want to say shoot somebody down, but like turn somebody down. It's always going to be, there's always going to be like, oh, this kind of sucks. But I'm the kind of person who I don't let it affect a further friendship. Like I'm not going to be uncomfortable around that person. Like it's like, no, I'm, I'm happy to be friends with you because I can let those things go. Like if I really liked you and you said no, then I'm like, cool, out the window. Like, there's no chance, like, move on to the next. There's, like, millions of guys out there in the world. So I'd still rather be your friend than nothing. Um, and like you, I joined Dodgeball as well when I moved here to Toronto. And that really solidified a lot of really great gay friendships in the community. And, you know, some of them are single. Some of them are in relationships. And it just kind of allowed me to develop a bunch of friendships that I was like, oh yeah, no, I don't need to like have sex with everybody in the dog. Cause I did the same thing as you. I was like, I'm not going to move to Toronto and become that guy that everybody sleeps with because he's new and fresh meat. Cause there's always that energy of like new fresh meats in town. Um, and so I determinedly did that and was like, nope, not going to sleep with anybody. I didn't. And then I've made some of the best friends in town from that. So it's been a journey, but I think the the thing that's helped me the most is spending the time with myself to figure out, okay, what are my boundaries and almost practicing what it means to turn somebody down gently and to be open and honest and compassionate, but still hold my boundaries strong because there's always going to be the people who push it. And I just have to like reiterate, like, no, I'm not interested. I'm happy to be friendly with you, but if you push this, it's not going to be a friendship. I'm going to avoid you. And so I'm pretty clear on those messages and so far so good. Like, I think it's worked out really well for me. Hmm. Thanks for sharing guys. Yeah. Gives me some ideas on what I want to talk about. <laughs> um, this is an area where there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of meat. I can feel it. I can feel the energy in me. Like there's just a lot there. <sighs> Let me kind of move through it and unpack it in the best way that I can. Um, yeah, I think this has been an area where I've struggled um, most of my life. Um, I grew up the same as Callan. I had all, well, actually, you know, that's, it's, I had all male, uh, straight male friends growing up, hockey buddies and just school buddies. And then I just, when I went into probably grade eight, grade eight, eight or nine, I started hanging out with all girls and that's all I hung out with. I was that guy who hung out with all girls. And um, yeah, I always joke that people, everyone knew that I was gay before I knew I was gay. I was in such denial. And uh, so, yeah, navigating gay friendships, geez, this is uh, the pattern that I, that I'm, that I get caught in is usually um, I connect with, with guys. Um, they end up developing either sexual or romantic feelings for me. And I typically don't reciprocate and then it leads to either awkwardness um, and dissolution of the friendship or it turns into a friendship. Those are the two routes that it, that it goes. And um, I think I've gotten a bit more graceful at learning how to let people know that this is what I, what I want is just to be friends. Uh, and I think that's helped, but I think that I've also come to the conclusion that a lot of gay men just really struggle with rejection, including myself. And I think that when we experience rejection, uh, the, the first thing that we want to do is shut down and get away from the thing that's causing us to feel the feeling of shame that the rejection is inciting. And um, so, yeah, I've had a lot of negative experiences because of that. Um, and then I also want to acknowledge something inside of me that is 
um, been quite present most of my life, which is the duality of every experience and being a Gemini, Michael gets this as, just as well as I do, um, that we often experience life in these dual dualistic ways. And for me, there's this part of me that really wants to be desired and seen as sexy and attractive. And I used to hustle for that. I used to make sure my body looked great. I used to make sure that, you know, that I, whatever. Okay. So all that is, is, is alive there. And then there's this part of me that's really yearning for, for, a connection with people without that, that sexual element. And over the course of the last few years, I've gone through this transformation where I've let go of, of that aspect of, of, you know, needing to have a good body, needing, you know, wanting, not, not even wanting, I'll say I still want it, but I don't need it. I don't rely on that external validation of people seeing me as hot or sexy or whatever. Um, but it's nice when it happens. But I kind of had to go through this like far pendulum swing where I got really, really um, almost a, like, angry at people finding me attractive because um i was i was more so angry at myself for objectifying myself for so long in in the fitness industry and posting like shirtless photos and really being reliant on those sorts of things and when i was doing that i was actually blocking myself from platonic connection because i was putting myself out there in the image of um of fitness and scantily clad and all that stuff. So obviously you're going to get back what you put out. And I didn't realize that that was just a projection on my part, putting that out. And then I was getting that back. So I felt like I was never able to have friendships with people because guys were always attracted to me. And, um, when I moved to Asia, actually, that's when I started growing out my hair and that was a very intentional, um, thing. I grew out my hair because I wanted to, um, be seen as less attractive because I wanted to break that, that cord or that whatever that I was connecting to my image and how gay men perceived me. And, um, and then like, you know, living in Asia and not really associating with gay men at all. I, I basically just hung out with um, my friend, Neil, who's a straight man and that allowed me to kind of learn how to form bonds with with a man that isn't that has zero sexual energy to it and now where I'm at is I'm really yearning for that and um, I'm kind of in this space between because I'm finding myself falling back into sometimes into that old energy because I'm back on tinder and I'm, I'm chatting with guys and whatever and um and then if I go on a date with a guy and I'm not like attracted to him or I don't feel like a pheromonal attraction, it's like immediately I just want to friend zone them. Right. And um, so I'm learning how to do that and I'm learning how to set boundaries um, by doing that. And I think what I do is I just speak my truth. I just say, listen, I'm feeling more friend vibes from you. Is it cool if we start a friendship, you know, and just keep it really like light and like this, you know, but I think what I've done in the past is I've maybe led guys on a little further than um, I should have because I was afraid of, I was a people pleaser. I was afraid of hurting people's feelings, but also I kind of liked them staying in that limbo zone where they still found me attractive. And um, I didn't want to sever that cord because then they would start friend zoning me. And then I wouldn't get my ego stroked by them thinking I was attractive. Right. So it's kind of like this, this um, very egoic, thing that I was doing. So anyways, I've caught on to this, that I, that my ego was doing this and I'm, I'm, I'm not doing that at all anymore. I'm completely, um, just requesting what it is that I need in the moment. And I'll just be like, yeah, listen, like I'm wanting a friendship out of you. This feels really cool. There's, we have a lot in common, but I'm just not feeling that, like, you know, that, that thing, that X factor that you need in order to, um, take it to the next level, whether it's friends with benefits or, um, moving it into some sort of romantic relationship. So, yeah, that's where I'm at right now. Mm. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Matt. Yeah. I think that uh, that experience of what you just said there, of friend zoning, uh, yeah. resonates with me because I can think of a lot of my gay, close gay friends now who we started off as a hookup or uh, dating that just didn't work out. Um, my best friend is actually someone that I dated for three years. We were boyfriends, monogamous and a monogamous relationship for three years. And after it was done, we kind of agreed, you know, like, I really like you. I really miss you being in my life. Like we get along so well. 
you know, and then we, we had that same conversation. Now it took a little bit of time to get there, but we got there and now he's been my best friend ever since it's been a, quite a long time, but not just him. I have other friends as well who are in that boat where, you know, we met on Grindr, went on three, four dates, and then I just went into the friend zone and that's not necessarily a bad thing, right? Um, as long as both parties are on, have that same intention or want to hold that space for each other, then I think it's fine. And in fact, that's, I mean, depends on who you are, but for me, I think it's been a great way to meet people. At the beginning, I said I met people intentionally without having sex, but before that, I did meet people where it began like that. And I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with it as long as you can navigate those waters and, and make sure you're authentic to yourself by setting those boundaries that both of you guys have alluded to. Boundaries is a very, very important thing because you don't want to people please yourself into a friendship and you don't want to um, betray your, your authentic needs for the sake of that friendship either. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that there's, there's a, like a way to say, Hey, I'm not feeling this that I've started using. Can't remember where I got it from, but it was this guy on Instagram and he's like, you don't need to go deep into it. If you go on a date and it's just like, they're cool vibes, but they're not your vibes. It's like, Hey, you know, thank you so much. Really enjoyed that walk and getting to know you. Um, I just wanted to let you know that the connection that we have isn't the connection that I'm looking for right now. And you know, it is what it is and just kind of leave it up. Like, you know, it's not the connection I'm looking for, um, but you're still great. Like have a good one. And you can segue that into friendship or you can segue that into like, you're great, but like, I'm not looking for friends. We met on a romantic kind of like Tinder or grinder or whatever. And, you know, it's okay to say like, I'm not interested in this. And I always say that with kindness. And so far since I've been using it, everybody's been really appreciative because they're like, oh, wow. Okay. Like on one hand, they're kind of like, this sucks because, well, I don't know, but like they preferred over ghosting. One of the guys was even like, well, I'm glad, like, I'd rather get this than ghosting, you know, like the, at least I have a definitive answer. And I think because ghosting is so prevalent in today's society that it's like people actually appreciate you just being honest and it's not being cruel. It's not being like, I'm not interested in you. I don't find you attractive. It's like, hey, the energy that we have together isn't the energy that I'm looking for. You're still a great person. Like, I wish you well. And like, cool. Like, maybe they're feeling the same way, but giving people that opportunity to know, but that takes time to like build that muscle and do it. And I, it was uncomfortable the first couple of times I did it. Like I felt, cause I'm a people pleaser. I felt so uncomfortable. I'm like, like, I don't want to like hurt somebody's feelings. I think that's what it comes down to at the end is like, I don't want to hurt somebody's feelings. I don't want to like make somebody feel bad, but that's not on me. That's not my responsibility. My responsibility is to like own up to myself and like know what I need and want and to be compassionate to the conversation with that person, but how they take that information, how they perceive that information, how they internalize that information, that's not my responsibility. And I think that that really had a big shift in my life when I figured that out. And I was just like, you know, all I can do is the best that I can with the knowledge I have to make this, you know, easy for everybody and not be a dick about it. But I would much rather go through that process than to like ghost people or, you know, have that. Cause then at least this way it does lead to possible friendships. Cause I have, I do have friends that I've met on Grindr and like, I have friends that I've slept with that like, it was great for that one time, but then afterwards we're like, oh, there's like no romantic connection here. Like I could not date you just because it, it just wouldn't work in that sense. But like that one time was great, cool, awesome. And now we're like really good friends, but that doesn't have to be with everybody. I think the thing with the gay community is that a lot of, a lot of our interacting happens or you know, pre-pandemic happened at the bars and at the clubs and like just culturally growing up as gay like our, our, I guess, collective heritage was, you know, it was bad. It was shameful. We had to do it in the dark. We had to do it like in these like corner hole places where like we weren't supposed to meet and it was like frowned upon. And so because of that, we didn't get to like just be normal people outside doing whatever. And now in the new generation that we're living in, it's like, we can go, you know, join a dodgeball team. We can go and like do all these social things, but because it's not built into maybe our societal norms yet, it's still very new, that it's a new way to adjust to how to interact with people. But because we were forced to go to the club so often, by default, 
you're more on your sexual game when you're out than you are on your like I'm looking for friends and then when somebody says that you're like yeah right Jan like (laughs) you're not just at the club getting drunk looking for friends you know so I found that when I took away that aspect like going to the club is like maybe me dancing hanging out with friends whatever but like I really focused on making new friends and when I did that I joined the gay choir here in Toronto I joined dodgeball and there's like all sorts of like there's games leagues there's video gamer leagues there's all these different ways that you don't have to go to the club to meet people but I think it was so ingrained in our consciousness that like this is the only place gay people can hang out together and now that's starting to shift so hopefully these kinds of conversations will start to shift the dynamics of like gay men are only sexualizing each other to like no you can be friendships but you have to take it out of that sexual space first and like you know do something outside of that to build the friendships and then navigate that area i don't know if any of that made sense but (laughs) (laughs) yeah it did yeah i'm trying to think of like I'm I'm thinking about the amount of loneliness in the gay community and how our inability to foster healthy friendships is actually one of the biggest problems. And I think, you know, you see these, everybody's desiring to find that next fuck or that next good sex or that next relationship with the hot guy or whatever it, whatever it is. And I think that if you look at attractive men, they're being pursued for something that is one dimensional, their, their body, their, their appearance. And then you see that guys that are conventionally less attractive, not being desired at all. And that's creating loneliness for both parties, right? Because it doesn't feel good to be desired for just your body and your looks, and it doesn't feel good to not be desired at all. And I think we need to learn as, as gay men, how to have, um, how to have friendships. And, um, that starts with learning how to, I think, um, be vulnerable and show up emotionally and have a strong emotional relationship with yourself. I think that's really what it comes down to if you're looking at the psychology behind it, because a lot of us really struggle with showing up and behind, behind our masks and letting other people see us. So I think we lead with this, with this, with the area that we've been conditioned to feel is safe, which is sex and um, these aspects of, of, of being gay. And when it comes to taking off the mask, a lot of us are a little bit freaked out to do that. And I, including me, like around when I'm in a room full of gay men, it's like completely different to being in a room full of straight people. Like I just, my anxiety tends to go higher when I'm around other gay men because I'm feeling judged. I'm feeling that people are like scoping me out. Like there's that element and it's no different than like, you know, if a man were to be in a room full of women, women, it's going to be this, that same type of feeling, right? There's the pheromones, there's all the energy that's stirring around and I'm super energetically sensitive so I can feel all this sort of stuff. Um, and that leads me to my next point, actually, because I've been, what I've noticed in my experience is that I actually have pretty deep rooted trust issues with gay men. And it's, it's quite alive for me and it has been for a long time, but it's, it's, I'm working through my relational trauma right now, which is why I'm going through a lot of this spiritual awakening stuff is really directly related to, um, relational trauma and, I haven't really had relational trauma per se with with gay men, but I've had relational trauma that has impacted how I relate to gay men. And there's this part of me that I don't really trust other gay men. And I'm I'm unpacking it and learning like why? What is it about you know this? And I think there's so many different facets to this, but I think one of the things is that they are hypersexual and um and we do hide behind masks. And I, I feel that in other people, I feel the fact that they're hiding behind their masks. So then it makes me feel like, well, if they're hiding, what are they hiding? And then there's this element of, of not being able to trust. And, um, and then just some of the stories that I've heard, because yes, we are gay men. We are friends with the people we fuck. We are friends with their boyfriends, their boyfriends, boyfriends, and like, blah, blah, blah. It just gets messy. Right. And there's this part of me that's like, I just want to keep You know what it is? It's a it's a fear of being left out. I think that's what it is. My trust issue comes from this fear of being left out. I don't want to trust. I don't want to bring a bunch of gay men together. 
and then be the, the odd man out. I think that's ultimately what my fear is. You know what I mean? And it's like, if think about, think about if you were in like, if you were in like an orgy, you know, and like nobody wanted to like be you with you or touch you and like how horrible that would be. You know what I mean? Like, um, or just any type of situation where, where people kind of glom together and leave you out. And I think that for me, that's this feeling of shame. It brings up shame that everybody else is connecting and everybody else is together. And then I'm over here. And that's my lone wolf stuff is it's, it's, I'm going to be over here by choice. So y'all can't make me feel like I have to be over here because you don't want me over here, <laughs> you know? And uh, it sucks. It really sucks. I'm, I'm so done with it. And I'm just, I'm not quite sure how to make that full transformation yet. I'm still moving through it. You know what I mean? And um, it starts with just really honoring where I'm at. I think that's the biggest thing. I'm just really honoring that. I have a lot of these fears. I have a lot of relational fears. I have mistrust. Um, I'm learning what it means to be highly sensitive, a highly sensitive person. I'm learning what it means to be demisexual and how all of these things really play into these things, these things as well. Right? Like I move slower, I feel deeper. Um, and the gay community does not cater to those things. You know what I mean? Like sensitive gay men are seen as no different than heterosexual sensitive men. Like they're per perceived globally by our conditioning as weak or not desirable. Um, I think that's greatly changing, but it's still there for people within people's conditioning. And then the demisexual aspect is, is that, yeah, I move slow. I need emotional connection. And a lot of guys tend to struggle with that. You know what I mean? There's a lot of impulsive sexual behavior in the gay community. And I've had to navigate my way through that. And I used to also be impulsive. So I have a lot of empathy and compassion for it too. And it's not like I'm judging it. I just know that my needs have changed since then. So that does impact how I want to relate to, to people as well. So yeah, that was totally verbal diarrhea, but I'm just going to, I'm going to own it. <laughs> it's out there. <laughs> I can relate to the impulsiveness. I feel like if I would have met you guys 10 years ago, then <laughs> I would have probably tried to have sex with you both. <laughs> but it sort of speaks with what Matt is saying is I, I, and I still have that impulsive sexual side of me and I, I don't deny it. I, I like that it's there, but I have much greater control awareness of it, I think. And I can, I know when it's not serving me and then sometimes it is serving me because I want it to be there very deliberately, but other times I don't. So yeah, like I, I'm thinking of you two as I'm looking at you, like, yeah, like I, if we met at a club or a bar, Callan and you're in Toronto, like if we had met at Fly, back when Fly was a thing and <laughs> who knows where we would have ended up, right? Or I would have tried something, that's for sure. But how much, how much nicer is it now when I had that like shift where I said I deliberately went into dodgeball saying, okay, I'm going to meet these people or meet friends. It opened up my eyes because before I'd walk into a bar, scope out the hot ones and everybody else would basically be invisible. Mm. And, you know, I'm, I'm a, a little ashamed to admit it, but it's true. Then once I was like, okay, now I'm going to enter this bar. All of a sudden, everyone is a human and everyone has a story and everyone has potential connection, whether they're old or young, um, whether they're single or not, whether I find them attractive or I don't, um, it just opened up so many options for connection. And that's exactly what happened. I, I made friends with people that I probably wouldn't have even honestly given a second look to if we had met and that, okay, I'm walking into the bar, like, where's my next, where's my next hookup going to be? Right. Like Matt, I was that guy. Mm. I was that guy for sure. Um, and so I, I, I get it. And, you know, people who, do want friendships in the gay community. I think there's two, there's two flavors that I see. One is like all gay men suck. I don't want to be friends with them. And then the other one is sort of all gay men are, uh, you know, they just want sex and I'm, I'm just going to use them for sex. Sort of that was, that was my story, but there's a happy in between where you can have friendship and the relationship and you can even blur the lines where you want to blur the lines. If you're into poly or, with benefits those are fine too there's nothing wrong with that it's just about finding what's right for you and i think opening up to the possibility of seeing people as more than just sex for me was a game changer i can't even imagine like i'm thinking about some of my friends now like i i don't know where i'd be without them and i wouldn't have i wouldn't have had that connection had i not it was at woody's had 
I not like listen to them when they were just like, oh, hey, my name's so-and-so. This is what I do. And instead of being like, uh-huh, nice, bye. I'd be like, hey, tell me more about that. Like I leaned into it. And the next thing you know, we have this great connection. Mm-hmm. I love that. Mm-hmm. I like uh, for myself, I think because personally, I've always been a very strong headed person. I've always been very strong willed and I've always been like, very like determined so when I did start going out and I was like I'm not here to hook up with somebody or I'm not here to be with anybody I had that aspect of it but I could still entertain them as people because I did still look at everybody as a person even though it's like oh maybe they're attracted to me or I'm not attracted to them or whatever was going on I would still give them the time if they came up to me and talked to me because it's like yeah, sure. Like you're talking to me and like, let's have a conversation. And so I always like valued anybody who did speak to me. And then if they did show interest, I would like, I didn't do it so gracefully back in the day when I was younger, but I'd like, let it be known that it's like, oh, I'm not interested. And usually my go-to was like, oh, I have a boyfriend or something so that I, I could sidestep it so that it was just like, don't find me desirable or that this could be a thing. But if you still want to continue conversation on a friendship level or on a friendly level, then I'm I'm cool with that. And so by holding my like boundaries clearly, it allowed me to like have those open conversations with people and to like get to know them. And I think for me, the part that's the hardest that I think I struggle with the most is when somebody doesn't let like the relentlessness of the flirtation or the relentlessness of hitting on when somebody's already clearly said, these are my boundaries. And like, I, I'm the kind of guy who, if you touch my ass at the bar, I will get mad at you and I will let you know it's not okay. And, but so many like gay men don't. And like, I've had these conversations where they're like, well, is he hot or not? And I'm like, it doesn't matter if he's hot or not. The point is nobody should be doing that if I don't want them to do that. And like, I don't want them to do that. (laughs) I don't care where we are or what the like understanding is, whether he's an old man or whether he's somebody young and attractive or young that I find attractive, it doesn't matter. If I haven't given them permission to touch my ass, they can't touch my ass. And I don't know where I was going with this, but that, that energy of me being like, no, these are my boundaries has served me really well in those circumstances. Whereas some people get so offended by it or so upset, but when somebody's really aggressive about their flirting, that's when it makes me uncomfortable because I'm like, I've already stated my boundaries and this is now like, it just, it puts me in a state where I'm like, is this what women experience all the time? Like, is this how women experience the world all of the time? Because as gay men, we kind of get like a hint of it. We get a flavor of it. And it's like, I don't like this energy. This is very like, I don't want to say like rapey energy, but it's like, it's like energetically kind of like rapey energy. It's like, I've already said no, no means no. I'm being polite, but now you're taking it way further than that. And those experiences don't happen often, but I think a lot of gay men who have had those experiences with unrelenting people, that's where they put up their walls and they go, oh, all men are the same. And they put this like whole wash among the whole community because they had those interactions, even though they've also had the good ones, the bad ones are the ones that stick out. And so it now is like to do the work to get back to that place where like, that's not your default thought of like, oh, all men are the same and all men are dogs. It's like, yes, some of them can be, but not all of them are. And like navigating that road, but I don't know where I'm taking this, but like, that's where it's the hardest for me is when I'm like out of place and somebody like aggressively gets in my face and is like really hitting on me. And I've clearly already stated, like, I'm not interested. It's like, take the hint. And it's not even a hint. It's a direct tell. And like, people need to respect those boundaries. That word's coming up a lot today. eh? Boundaries. Boundaries. (laughs) Hmm. <laughs> there's so much dualism in my experience it's unbelievable like I'm like moving through all this <clears throat> crazy stuff right now personally and spiritually and I'm just like what do I actually want I don't even know I'm so confused because when you when you were talking I was like yeah like how 
dare that guy touch my ass? But then part of me is like, oh, but he touched my ass. You know? <laughs> like, it doesn't matter what he looks like. It's like, he's desiring me. You know what I mean? And it's like, it's fucked up because it's like my higher self's like, no, I don't want somebody like, like get my consent. Don't just touch my body. My body's my temple. And then there's also this part of me that's like a little bit like rough and nasty. That's like, yeah, like touch my ass, like touch it again. You know, like I have these two parts to me and it's like, I don't know which one I want to honor sometimes. You know what I mean? And that's why I don't drink alcohol because you think I'm crazy like this, like, no, like you should see me when I drink alcohol. Like it's, it's insane. I do not drink for that reason because I get like crazy. I do crazy things. I make really poor choices <laughs> and that's just totally out of my character. But uh, anyway, I felt like sharing that because um, there's still a lot of confusion in me. And I'm also kind of part of me is like embracing the confusion too, because it's like, I think that's part of my surrender right now is just be confused. I'm being exhausted by thoughts and lack of sleep. So thoughts and insomnia are exhausting me. And then my lack of certainty is creating confusion and exhaustion and confusion are two really beautiful places to surrender from. So I think it's all very, very prescriptive for where I'm at in my spiritual journey. So I'm just trusting that the universe knows what I want. And eventually I'll get to a place where it's like, I'll be a little bit more certain maybe about what I want, or maybe I'll just be momentary. Like in this moment, did that feel good for me? No. Okay. Well then set a boundary in this moment. Did that feel good for me? Yes. Okay. Well then ask for more. <laughs> right. So just kind of playing with it. Um, the other thing that's quite alive for me right now is um, for the first time in my life, I'm actually transitioning a, a relationship, a romantic relationship into a friendship, which is not easy for me because I feel extremely deeply. I love extremely deeply. And I usually break up with partners very deeply and I just can't maintain friendships with them. So um, this one was also really intense, really challenging, and we're moving towards building a friendship and yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. And there's like um, aspects of like navigating intimacy. What does it look like if we want to be intimate with each other? Are we going to allow that? Or what is it going to be? We're still, we're still shaping this together. And like, you know, it's, it's, it can be challenging taking a relationship from like co-creatively into something and then structuring it and having a lot of expectation and a lot of, you know, um, idea of what it is. And then kind of that blows itself up. And then you're like picking up the pieces and you're like, yeah, okay, I want this piece. Uh, no, I don't want that piece. And you're kind of putting back this, like this thing back together, which is like a friendship or friends with benefits. And, um, it's tough co-creating that aspect of things because the fears are very alive for both people. Right. Like, and it's like, okay, well, what if I want this piece and you don't want this piece and what do we do? You know what I mean? So it's like, I don't know. There's just a lot there. And uh, again, it's part of my relational trauma healing is like learning how to be connected to somebody in such a beautiful, intimate and loving way. And then allowing the love to still be there, but it just, it shift, you know what I mean? To something different. And then I'm also grappling with like, well, what's the difference between friends with benefits and a romantic partnership? If you're not in a monogamous partnership in the first place, is there a difference? you know, like you're fucking and you're hanging out and you're saying, I love you and like, whatever. So it's like, the difference is, is that we get to have sex with other people. But what if we were doing that in the first place? What's the difference? It's just a relationship, you know? And I'm, I'm so all of this is just so confusing for me because there's a lot of like conditioning that I'm unpacking around. What does it actually mean to be in a romantic relationship? Like, what does it mean to be in a monogamy? What does it mean to be fluid and move between a connection or between connections and just allow yourself to love that person and be with them in the present moment and then move out of that connection, return back home and find another connection, you know? And, and so anyways, all of this is so alive for me right now. And, and part of that is navigating friendships too, because like, you know, some of my friendships may potentially in the future become friends with benefits um, <clears throat> I don't know. So yeah, as you can probably tell, there's a lot of confusion for me and I'm kind of just accepting it, that it's there. Yeah. I think it's, it's tough. There's a lot of confusion. I think for a lot of people, I think your experience mirrors that of many, many gay men and mm -hmm. it's important to talk about it. What I, if there's one piece of advice I would give you having navigated a sexual relationship to friendship and then yeah. back again <laughs> is is what you said kind of about asking yourself at the moment. That's that's the best thing. Or 
don't try to control it so much. And I'm looking at the surrender sign behind you. Allow it to kind of flourish as it would naturally and see where you guys end up. Now, of course, you still want to be within the realm of your boundaries, yours and his. And then within that space, like, hey, here's here's my goalpost, here's yours. Okay, let's just see how it goes. And, and if you can do that while always asking yourself, what do I need right now? What do I want right now? If he allows that for you or allows you to, if you guys can have those matches, then mm. let it go there and see where it ends up. You know, I, I don't know what my boundaries are though. That's the thing. It's that's why I'm confused because like my boundaries, I used to use them improperly in romantic relationships to control, right? My boundaries were to control. So I would say, I need you to show up like this so I can feel safe. Mm-hmm. It's that's not an effective boundary really, in my opinion, it, it can be, it depends on delivery and what we're talking about. But so yeah, there's a lot of like confusion. So I just have to be really momentary with with it. And usually what ends up happening is I'll feel in the moment that a boundary is being crossed. And then I need to speak up right away as opposed to going through with something. And then afterwards feeling like I've betrayed myself because I'm at that point literally where there's a lot of so much confusion in my life where I don't even really know what my boundaries are anymore because I'm like, maybe I could do this like maybe you know because a lot of my boundaries before were around like I really wanted to be in a monogamous container where I just felt safe and now I'm really challenging that like is that actually what I want moving forward and I've gone back and forth I've been in an open relationship before too but it was it was different um I wasn't loving as deeply back then but um so anyways yeah so it's like almost like relearning what my boundaries are I guess Mm. yeah it's like, I was just focused on being curious, mm-hmm. like being curious about it. And like, mm-hmm. that's what we've been talking about, I guess this last little while, but like just getting curious and being like, like you were saying Matt, like, do I like this? Do I not like this? Like, just be curious about it and don't judge it. Yeah. And yeah, I think that's what advice. a lot of, that's what a lot of gay guys do. And, and when, in regards to like what I was talking about earlier, there's a lot of judgment that comes from it. Um, and then they judge the people and they judge all the things. I don't judge the person if they grab my ass. I just need to let them know that that's a boundary of mine. So it's Mm. two very different spaces. Whereas like, I've seen people who get very aggressive and very angry about it and come from a very judgmental place. Like they should know better and it's on them. And my personal belief is like, no, it's not on them. It's on me to set my boundary when a boundary gets crossed or something happens. That's when I go, no, this is my boundary. Then if they do it again, then it's like, now I'm judging a little bit. (laughs) But like, it's it's two different spaces. And I think people can get very confused between the two. And I think it's like, Michael, what you were talking about, like how like back in the day you would go into the club one way and now you've just gone through such journey that it's like you enter a completely different space. Um, And I think that, you know, after, I mean, after the pandemic, who knows what's going to happen? It's going to be wild. I can tell you that. That's for sure. (laughs) It's definitely going to be a wild party. But I think um, for myself, it'll just be focusing on practicing like practicing my own boundaries and practicing like compassion for other people and like just knowing that I am where I am, but that doesn't mean anybody else is where I am and I'm not where they are and we don't know each other's stories. And so just having that compassion, like talking to the person being like, hey, sure, yeah, I'll give you the time of day. I think that's the part that bugs me the most in the community around trying to build genuine friendships and connection is that because so many people had that same reaction as me of like, no, I don't want you, I'm not attracted to you. I don't want you to get the wrong impression. They put such an affront to that that they don't allow the possibility of like, okay, well, they could still be a good person, a good human being and be a good friend, but they shut that down because they're like, no, but I don't want them to misconstrue it as attraction. So they also are shutting down the potential for friendship. And that's what's leading to so much of the loneliness because you can't shut off one without shutting off the other. It's, it's all or nothing. You can't, it's like Brene Brown says in, in her book, what one is I listening to the gift of imperfection. You can't turn off the good feelings 
or you can't turn off the bad feelings without turning off the good feelings as well. It's a whole package deal. So it's like, if you want to have genuine connection, you can't just connect with the hot guys that you want to like sleep with and fuck. You have to connect with everybody and you have to give equal opportunity to build friendship in all regards. And that could be the hot guys. That could be the guys that you're not attractive with. And the guys you're not attracted to are probably the guys that you should be friends with so that you don't have these, you know, blurred lines because it's a, it's a muscle you have to build in order to get to that space where you can be friends with people and not get confused or know your boundaries so that you're like, no, it's okay. We could cross those boundaries because I don't want a romantic relationship with you, but I think sleeping with you and fucking you would be fantastic. Like, you know, Mm. but you got to get to that space inside. And that's what I really worked on to do for myself because it was confusing before. Helen, that is such a good point. Um, with with my experience of having met people deliberately as friends, my actual relationships grew much stronger as a result of learning that skill of relating in general. It made my actual romantic relationships stronger as well. It made me um, able to develop deeper relationships faster. It made me able to slow down the sexual stuff. Um, like It just helped in so many levels. So it's not just about developing the skill of learning how to be friends or relating platonically it serves all areas of relating in all relationships in my in my experience and for the record anyone can touch my ass it's fine i'm not gonna be upset about it. i feel like the odd men out here someone like that calls me down the street i'm like hey baby like no problem <laughs> so if no lo- no me too lawsuit for you yeah right Oh my god! You're gonna re- you're gonna come to one day, and you're, we're gonna be doing like some sort of seminar, and everybody gonna come up here touching your ass, and you're gonna be like, "What did I get myself into?" Yeah, exactly. What's Starn gonna say about that? Oh god, <laughs> he knows. He knows. <sighs> so good. Uh, but yeah, I think it's true. You have to be able to open up to both. If you if you if you're gonna close yourself down, and and like you know, have the, like, if you're in that space where you're like, oh, I'm so lonely, I'm so lonely, I'm so lonely, but I'm not willing to open myself out to have friendships with everybody. And I lock myself down when I feel somebody's like interested in me. You can't help it if somebody's interested in you, but I can tell you nine times out of 10, when I've been interested romantically in somebody, all it took was like one conversation or like a couple conversations to know, like, "Mm, we're not really romantically compatible. But like a friendship is still definitely possible, but you have to be able to cross that. You have to also give people the opportunity to get into that space. But like, like I said, if you shut that down, you're not opening yourself up to those possibilities. I think we approach it with this sort of casting, like, like I talked about with romantic relationships, we have the, the role of boyfriend, friend, fuck buddy, whatever. We have the role in our mind. And so we just scan the room, scan the crowd, like, do they meet the qualities I need? And we mm-hmm. therefore ignore so many things. We do this in all kinds of relationships. So we, yeah, we fail to see, we fail to see all of the other things when we specifically put them in that label or like, okay, here's this box I want filled with a certain person. You're kind of forgetting that there's other, there's gray areas, there's other boxes that you might want filled that you're just not even paying attention to. Yeah. I think we're blinded by the, the excitement of attraction as human beings. You know, like we literally f- attraction, love, lust, all these things, they're intoxicating and they blind us. And I think that's part of my work right now is learning how to slow down, be more like a turtle. I'm embodying the spirit of a turtle. And, um, but it's also can be a little bit challenging too, because it's like, people are like, well, develop friendships with guys before you date them. And I'm just like, well, as soon as somebody's friend zoned for me, that's it. Like they're friend zoned. I know, I know within a second of meeting somebody, if there's going to be that sort of compatibility, like truly I've never had the experience where somebody was a friend. And then I moved it into um, sex. Like I know right away if somebody's um, a a match for me. So I'm just like, I'm not quite sure how to, how to do that. I think maybe what it is, is it's just maybe not hopping into a relationship right away like just keeping things really light and dating multiple people and 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 whatnot but yeah it's maybe that's going to change though who knows maybe that's going to change and maybe i'll i'll start to see qualities in people as in friends and start to learn how to be a little bit more drawn to people's um less less their physical and more their spiritual because i think that's what's happening like i'm learning how to like 
be a lot more drawn to people just based off of their energy and their spirit. And, um, but what, how that it's almost kind of working synonymously with like my transformation, the less I put, um, value on my body and my appearance, the less I'm putting value on other people's body and appearance. And I think that's my transformation right now is learning true body positivity, learning how to love myself unconditionally without me even needing to look in the mirror or needing to be reflected um, how, based off of how I look. So a lot of deconstructing of that conditioning is happening. And yeah, I'm actually noticing that I'm attracted to the type of guys that I've never been attracted to before in my life. And it's kind of cool actually, because it's opening up the pool larger. Cause it's always, I'm always like, why is there like big, no guys that I'm attracted to? Like I'm, it's like, it's like so rare that I'm, that I'm attracted to somebody but maybe it's just because I'm being too hard on myself. So then I'm being too hard on others. I think that plays into it for me, for sure. So the more compassion I give myself, I think the more compassion I can give to others. Matt, I'm curious if you met someone that you had an attraction to, would you be able to like resist that urge for that instant gratification to like jump into bed, like, or even sending pictures? Like, would you be able to just lean into the attraction without like let's say for a week or two, or even a month, without actually giving into the urge for sexual activity. You should like rephrase it and ask me the opposite question. Because I can, yes, I can 100%. That's what I do. Okay. But I'm, I want to learn how to be a little bit more sexually free mm. and not be so like, I need like a month or two to warm up to you. But I don't know if that's ever going to change. Like, again, I'm highly sensitive. I'm demisexual. Like I need, I need calibration. I need your energy to calibrate to my energy because if it's not, there's no, it's just, it just won't work. My actually, my body won't work. I have a hard time getting hard and staying hard. If I don't have an emotional connection with somebody that's part of being demisexual. And when I'm emotionally connected to somebody, it's like a fucking game changer. Like it's like the switch has been turned on, but without that switch, it is, it makes it challenging for me to find somebody attractive. I think some of it is trust and safety and and letting go of control but i think a lot of it is energy like i have such a i have such an attuned nervous system that i need somebody's energy to calibrate to my nervous system or else it's just going to be it just won't work yeah interesting michael to answer your question for me i've actually found that for myself i know i really 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 like somebody if i won't get sexual with them for at least like at least a month, if not the first couple of months. Yeah. Like, I'm not talking like making out or that, but like, I'm talking like sleeping together and like taking it like that far. Like if I'm not eager to jump into bed with you and I genuinely want to like, just talk to you and get to know you, that's when you know that I'm really into you because like, I like up here in between your ears, like your brain, that is what gets me going so much more. Like, oh god just talk nerdy to me like that is what really gets me and like (laughs) you know like I've jumped into bed with people I've had one night stands and all that and I can do that and I can emotionally connect to people that way but like if you really want to have a relationship with me we can't sleep together for at least a month or two otherwise I'll be like "Eh, not worth like it's not it's not in that realm Mm. so it's interesting for me I noticed that about myself that when I went to that space I was like Oh, my first ex, I didn't sleep with him for, I think like two months, the first two months, we kind of fooled around, but like, I didn't even see his package for the first month. And it was just like, I had no desire. I was just like, I need to get to know you as a person because then I'll want to get to the other stuff. But like, this is first and foremost. So if I sleep with you on a first date, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone who's dating Callan right now, now you know. (laughs) Yeah, for, for me, it, uh, I in my current relationship, I did that for the first time is to like purposely said, okay, let's not sleep together. And it was really hard, but very effective. It worked. And like, it definitely worked because again, it, it allowed me to not sexualize and be like, okay, I'm going to get to know this guy in a way that isn't how I want to get to know him right now. <laughs> and then I got to totally see different sides of them and, and it kind of forced me into that because naturally individually for me I will always want I, I feel like I'm like a dog who as soon as he meets another dog goes to sniff his butt not that I'm going to sniff the butt necessarily but like that energy of like oh I want to 
I just want to know everything about you and then we can be friends. But like, let me sniff your butt first. <laughs> Not actual sniffing butts. I'm just talking about having sex. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> i've learned not to do that anymore smell is so important (laughs) smell is so important for me it's huge this is the the guy smells not good it ain't happening amen amen well i think we should wrap up on the butt sniffing Great time for wrapping. <laughs> Great time for wrapping up. So for everybody out there listening to this podcast, if you have not subscribed yet, please hit that subscribe button. Give us a star rating on Apple iTunes. It helps everybody discover the show. Share it around, please. If you find value, share it with other people. Let the people know. If you're watching this on YouTube, hit that subscribe button and also hit the bell so that you get notified every time we put out new episodes. We put out a regular episode with all three of us every other week so bi-weekly and then alternating weeks we have our individual episodes that we've started introducing where we do interviews or panels about hot topics that y'all want to know about so also make sure to join the gay men's brotherhood free facebook group you can do that in the show notes and subscribe to our newsletter because we have some very exciting news coming up very shortly for all of y'all so you want to get on that newsletter so that you can get notified right away about all that good stuff so I think that's it for the day. Have the best day ever, everybody. Peace, love, rainbows. Bye. Mm-hmm.